Here I go again Same old bar, same old friend It's just my place for security Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Patrick Lally Show podcast. We are, as always, recording live, if that's a thing, at the Full Circle Book Co-op, your conservative, communist, left-leaning, libertarian bookstore and cafe at 123 West 10th Street in the best little city in America, downtown Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And uh, I'm very pleased this week to have uh, with me a guest uh, who has, again, you were on the uh, uh, semi-beloved, short-lived radio program yeah. back in the day. Why do you say semi-beloved? Semi-beloved because it just wasn't that beloved. Yeah. It was, there were, there but there was, was like a pocket? Of, there was a pocket of people who liked it, kind of. Yeah. Well, I know how that goes. Yeah. I know exactly how that feels. That's right. <laughs> That's the voice of my guest, Ted Heron. He is, uh, let's see, we figured this out earlier. He's a writer, producer, and uh, marketing professional. Mm-hmm. Ted, thanks for being here. I'm happy to be here. And so you're here. If, if people uh, don't know you, and I don't know how that's possible, um, you're probably most famous mm-hmm. for uh, the Rock Garden Tour, mm-hmm. which is now in various iterations in its what year? 20th. This is the 20th year? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I started, so it hasn't been Rock Garden Tour for 20 years. Right. I've been Flower Man for 20 years. Got it. The I persona started, of yes. Flower Man. So the show has changed a name once. But, I mean, the show has been a rock and roll gardening show for 20 years. Yeah. And I've been doing the show for 20 years in different versions on different stations. And, yeah, you know, I think that's fair. Yeah, so there's been a consistent thread of the show happening for 20 years. Started it as an intern at a, a small market radio station in Brookings. Because mm-hmm. uh, you were a student at SDSU, right? Student at SDSU, yeah. yeah. yeah and, and Horticulture, yep. that kind of thing. Yeah, So. Um, years. That's amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. Keeping, yeah, uh, creating and keeping a persona alive for that long yeah. is pretty good. It's a character, right? Right, yeah. Do you feel like when you are the flower man, I mean, you're, uh, are you acting? Are you taking on a persona when you do that? I don't, I suppose I am, yeah. But it's, it doesn't feel uh, like when you're in front of an audience, well, there's different versions. So when we're producing it in a studio, hmm where there's, where there's an implied audience, there's a lot of imaginary people in your head yeah. that you're talking to. Yeah, again. Yeah. <laughs> well, then I feel like there is. Then Oil Can and I kind of get into the, these personas, and we are characters of ourselves. But at the same time, the characters are probably, uh, you know, they're, they feel pretty authentic. They mm-hmm. don't, it doesn't feel like we're acting. Right, but because you've known this is oil yeah. can is, is Tom Tom can Hurlburt. We, yeah, we can say his last name Hurlburt. Yep, uh, who now has become uh, better known. Yeah, as a, he was a yeah, city council candidate. Him. I've talked to him about that. Like he's got to keep a low profile. <laughs> <laughs> you know exactly. Now I always call him Sexy Tom, and I don't know where that came from. Well, he is a good looking. man. He's a good looking man yeah. and all that. Somehow somebody called him Sexy Tom and I like it stuck. That. Yeah. Uh, because I always have trouble with Hurlbert. Yeah. <laughs> right. And uh, um, the, so you guys, when did, you were the flower man, when did oil can come into that equation? Um, I don't know exactly. I think it was like 2000, I met Tommy in like 2004 or yeah, probably 2004. And then we started doing the show together 
soon after. Like he started dropping hints that, you know, <laughs> if you need another guy, <laughs> he, he, he wanted to get on there. If like, you need a foil, <laughs> right, I'm your man. So we went for it, yeah. Um, what was that? So you'd been doing it for a while. Because yeah, I remember you were doing it at, uh, you'd do a live show at the Sioux Falls College Station. Yep. And then you cut that down yep. to like an hour. Or and before whatever. that, we were on Q ninety five seven. Oh yeah, which that's was right. Super fun. Yeah, that was a great. The old Q ninety five seven was pretty cool. Yep. Because it was a rock and roll station, and lot they had lots of variety in their music. Yep. And so they kind of let us play whatever we wanted. I mean, they they hardly they hardly even talked to us. <laughs> <laughs> like there was a stretch, and I'm not exaggerating, there was a stretch where I wondered if they, if they remembered that we were doing the show. <laughs> but I didn't want to rock the boat. Right. So I tried not to let it. Don't any, bring it up. I didn't want to talk to anybody when I was there. Because <laughs> that was, you were there on like Saturday nights we or whatever. You were there Sunday nights. Sunday nights. Like there's nobody else there anyway. And the secret to it though is that you just, you do it, first of all, you got to be, you got to be regular. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you're starting something like Rock Garden Tour, you've yep. got to be on regularly. Yeah. And you have to stick with it, and you have to do it as long as you can. And, and so our mindset, and it, truthfully, like our mindset was let's ride this as long as we can. Yep. Let's do as many shows as they let us do. <laughs> because we knew we were kind of getting away with something. Yep. And I feel like that's kind of what made the show work, yes. is, that, is that we appreciated it in that way. Also, you were you were a radio professional at some at some level. You had the skills, is what I mean. I you had skills. the acumen, so you weren't going to yeah. screw anything up in terms of the commercials or the, yeah. the hour breaks. It never felt like I was a professional, but yeah. now when I look back, I realize that I had some. I did have some foundation to do what we were doing. Yeah, because if you're screwing up the log, yeah, it's not going to. So you you foundationally you had it. Understood a certain yep. standard, right? You know, and that lets you have the keys to a yeah. radio station. <laughs> yeah, as long as you don't answer any emails, <laughs> talk when they <laughs> when great. they talk to you. Don't show up for meetings. It's all good. <laughs> they need you as much as yeah. you need them. No, that uh, was that was some of the most fun I've ever had. You know, those six that we did sixty weeks in a row in a row. Sixty weeks in a row. Yeah. That's in a row. Before the door was locked one day when we went to the... <laughs> <laughs> Is that how it ended? Yeah, yeah. <coughs> like, we couldn't get in there. <laughs> it had been sold. Oh, that's right. That's and we right. couldn't get in there. That's funny. And so and they you... weren't letting us know the code to the lock. <laughs> <laughs> and you weren't... And you could not get a meeting with the new... <laughs> no. I'd like to take a meeting. No, no that's My not My emails probably... Even, even back then were going into their junk mail. <laughs> that was before junk mail was really a yep. thing. So that, so you're doing, what, two, two or three hours of live radio? We're doing two, yep. Two hours of live radio is, particularly when it's, okay, I did two hours of live radio, but I could honestly completely make it up as I went along, right? Mm-hmm. And I'd bring in somebody like you, and we'd talk for an hour yeah. with, with breaks. Um, you were much more scripted and purposeful. Yeah. Doing two hours of that has to be work. We were script, yeah, we were scripting it. We were... Um, producing bits yeah we awesome. you know there was always kind of an involved uh, introduction that we would have pre-produced that kicked off the show mm-hmm. and then there was an opening segment where you kind of laid things in and then you know there were some segments throughout the show that maybe tied into a specific theme mm-hmm. and then you play music and then we played music a wide variety of music but you know it was all music that we just sort of loved that's why I always felt like I was getting away with something yeah. because I mean, truly, we were just doing what we wanted, playing the music 
whether it was new music mm -hmm. or really old music. Mm -hmm. You know, it could have been country music. Right. You know, just if it tied into the theme somehow of, of that particular night, then mm -hmm. we would do it. And having that freedom was so important. Yeah. And the beautiful thing about being at a radio station is that you have license to basically any music you want to use. Yeah, right. Like, you can't get yes. in trouble. Like, this show, thankfully, Rich Show, uh, soon to be inducted into the South Dakota Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and, and, guest, this is an announcement. You're, you'll be happy to oh, be here great. for this. Oh, great. Okay. Announcement for uh, Rich Show's appearance on this podcast next week. However, we are recording it in a very special edition right here at the Full Circle Book Co-op on Friday night, about 7 o'clock, and then Rich is going to play some tunes afterwards. So that's going to be that's an great. event. Celebrating his induction into the South Dakota Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He is kind enough to let us use his music. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we'd be screwed. Yeah. No music. You're going to jail if you use yeah, right. music. Mm -hmm. So, but then you took that and you produced it further down into a recording. Yes. Yep. Then we would cut it into an hour and then it would play on public broadcasting statewide. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And uh, because this is pre podcasting. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So well, that we, had, we also okay. So at that time, that was like 2000 when we started at Feller Broadcasting. It was the Rob yep. Feller. I think that might have been 2006, 2006 2007, <laughs> 2007. And we did start doing a podcast straight like right away in 2007. We were very early. Uh, you had an RSS feed. Yeah, we did. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. And back then you had. To you actually had to figure a lot of stuff out. There was some work involved, yeah. yeah. We had to have a programmer help us. The first phase of podcasting was... You, you kids easy. out there probably won't know this, <laughs> but it was easy, really but, hard. Yeah. <laughs> that, and that's how all of this is now. Because yeah. I look at this setup, and I think it's so awesome that we can do a podcast in a, in a local bookstore, yep. and there's not real a whole lot of trouble to nope. it. Nope. Um, but yeah, like, and I, we've talked about this before, but when we started out on radio, like, you had to have a radio station. Yeah. Like, you're not going <laughs> to... A guy like me is not putting that setup together in his no. home studio. No, you know, or like in I a bookshop, right? You, to, to go live, you had to have equipment. Yeah. You had to have a guy in a van. Yeah. <laughs> if you were going to be in a bookstore. You had to have some gear. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. So, uh, it really, I mean, you're talking about DIY at its finest, yes. right? Which I think, you know, to... I do think that that sound is what makes the show kind of special today. Like when you hear the show, I mm -hmm. still think that there's some sounds, um, you know, the, the sound quality sort of comes from that stretch of the 60 shows that we did in the Feller Studios. Yep. And that's kind of stayed consistent through, I mean, that's what we keep coming back to. Sharpening the sword there. Yeah. At, uh, mm -hmm. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. um, well, and it's, you do... That's again. You you have twenty years of of a persona, which is amazing. But then to, um, you you have your own sound, right? The Rock Garden tour, regardless of what it's on, has a particular uh, ethos. It's a little bit strong, but if I heard it, I would say that I think that's a Rock Garden tour. Even if I wasn't listening necessarily to your voice, yeah. mm -hmm. right? How did you do that? Um. I think initially it was, it sounded a certain way because of what we had access to. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't us trying to get a certain sound. It was us sounding a certain way because this is the only way we can make the <laughs> yeah, sounds. You know, right. like so. Early on, I was using uh, like an eight tracker. I also had like a dual set cassette, um, a dual cassette. 
I don't know what even you would call it. I right. mean, it was not that much more advanced than just a boombox. Right. But it and had two cassette players on two it. Two cassette players. And you could turn on one and then turn on the other. Yeah. Turn and on we one. also had like a four tracker, I think, you know, in, in the studio mm-hmm. that I was at. So I learned how to edit on a lot of those things, but, but I could never get the... It's like when you're listening to early mountain. So the Mountain Goats are my favorite band. Yeah. But if you listen to early Mountain Goats records... You always hear the grind of the mechanism, the recording mechanism, and <laughs> yeah. that is because you know that's how he was recording it. Yep. You know, and there's a little bit of that in the Rock Garden tour. Well, I think a lot of it actually. And yeah. um, well, in the openings or like the bumpers, you have this, that. And I and I at first I was trying to eliminate that stuff, mm-hmm. but then I, at some point I grew to like embrace it fully because those are the sounds that I actually really love. You know. Um, we kind of came out of like a mixtape culture. Yeah, yeah. You know, growing up in the 90s, we had this real strong mixtape, I think, aesthetic almost. Right, right. And that really comes through in the show. That's pretty, that's, a, that's a, I think, a, a good analogy. And, you know, and now we're well beyond CDs into whatever we're in. And you're, it, do you find it now, you, like you say, you didn't get rid of those sounds and you're, you know, working with, we're going to get into this second public TV and a very high end sort of production. And you're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Leave that in there. Well, that's my, that's my tape cassette recorder. You know, yeah, don't, don't get... I don't need a mic. I've got, <laughs> do they ever look at you and go, really? <laughs> I suppose they do. Yeah. So let's talk about the show. Um, so you, we, we've moved from, uh, uh, Q 957 to, uh, 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 South, uh, Sioux Falls College. Sioux Falls College. And then... Augie. We Augie. had Augie for a second, and then Sioux Falls College. Got it. Briefly on the much-fabled KAUR. Yep. Didn't they, and then they got bought by Minnesota Public yeah. Radio, right? That's what happened there. Um, did you... And then... what? It's probably been five, six, eight... I don't even know how many years it was. Yeah. When, when you went, you made the jump to public radio. Yeah. I think that happened in 2008. Because that's when Joe Paul got here. Yep. And uh, it's not really his name, yeah. <laughs> Joe. And and you got you got hooked up. What year was that? You said I think it was two thousand eight. Wow, that maybe two thousand seven. That's impressive. Yeah. So did you feel like I was right. real nervous? Really? Yeah. Did you do it live right away, or no. did you always produce it? We were doing we were doing the live show, and then I was cutting it down. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. And then over to yeah. okay, so I could fix some things. Right. Right. And I remember, I seem to remember conversations about they public broadcasting, they don't quite get it. They're like, yeah, let's do this, but... Mm-hmm. Mm. You know what happened with public broadcasting? And I think this is also what happens with shows like this. Yep. Um, I remember early on with Joe, and I love Joe. He's great, and he mm-hmm. believed in the show, and that's what you need. That's another thing you need to do a show like Rock Garden Tour. You mm-hmm. need people like you who kind of get it and then are willing to hang with you. <laughs> <laughs> you know? that's like, right. like You need those people very yep. much, yep. if only to give you the confidence to keep doing it. Yes, yes. Because now you're playing to a statewide need, audience. Yeah, but when, when, when it started with public broadcasting, they wanted to hear the show. What's it going to sound like for the whole hour? Like, what's yeah. let me hear the show. And when you're first starting out, it's really hard to do that because, you know, the show's going to be different. You know, it, we're going to do 20 episodes and the show's going to be entirely different. And then you're going to, I always say that you do the show for 40 weeks and then the show actually starts sounding like maybe what it's going right. to sound like. Right. Um, 
especially since you're, yeah. it's new process, right? Yeah. New audience. It, and, and that affects the sound. Like, yes. how are we recording it? What kind of a studio am I in? Um, how long are our segments? You know, like, every, all of that's going to play into the sound of the show, which Absolutely. I love. I love that about radio, but it all matters. And, and you also have to let the show change. That's one thing that I've also learned. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to keep the show alive, you have to be okay with change. And you, got, you have to be up for it. Like, you can't be... Well, and I sp- you can be all sorts of ways. Right. This is just for me. <laughs> for me, anyway. I know the show would have stopped right. had we dug our heels in, you know. And not taken what they say when they say... You just got to roll with some things. Right. Yeah. We need you to do this. And you also have to trust what you're doing and, tr- you know... At some point, I knew that they were going to get it the way I was getting it. Yeah. And then we were, we were going to find a, kind of a new way to do it together. And, and it, it's just going to take a little time. And you didn't have to do it, right? I mean, that's the other thing. It's like yes. you wanted to. Right. You hope it works out, that you can work with a public radio network. Mm-hmm. And they'll understand you. They'll trust you. But you have to trust them. Otherwise, you know, you're yeah. not... You're not putting food on the table with Rock Garden Tour, right? Mm-hmm, it's an right. expression of you mm-hmm. in some measure. Mm-hmm. Did you ever feel like, I, this is not going to, I can't do this yeah. with these people? Yeah, I mean, not really like that. Um, it, it's At some times it just feels like a lot of trouble. And yeah. you're like, Adam, is this worth it? Am I having fun doing this? Meetings. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't know. You know, it, we've always... We've always, um, it's almost like not a choice anymore. Like, I just feel like we do the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, however it is. We just do the show. That's what we do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and no so, and, and you're still, like, we should say this, uh, you were weekly or near weekly for how long on public radio? Um, I think that only lasted for two to three years. Yeah, that's a pretty good run, though. Yeah. And then we, and now it's more like we're doing specials, TV specials, or, you know, they have the Sioux Falls studio, which is yep. great. We'll, we'll get in there. Because they didn't have that when you started. Right. right? Yeah. So that helps. Mm-hmm. So um, the specials, let's, let's, let's talk about TV for a second, because then you made the jump to TV, of all things. Mm-hmm. Um, this seems to be a very odd translation of a radio show that's built with the sounds of a cassette tape and scratchiness and, you know, harking the early days of broadcasting. How do you make that into a TV show on public television? Mm-hmm. I've always felt like we could probably, like if we really wanted to recreate the, the, the beginning of the show or recreate the materials that make the sound of the show, mm-hmm. I think you could do it in a real whimsical kind of fun surprising, delightful way on mm-hmm. stage mm-hmm. if you wanted to, but you would have to invest some, <laughs> you know, like... A lot of time. And, and some design. Or whatever. Yep. But I think that would lead to a really fun visual experience. We, you know, but we, we approached it more like a, uh, you know, like, more like they do, I guess, on like a Prairie Home Companion or right, something. Right, right. Um, I mean, you do, that is kind of levels, a model. But, but, you know, yeah, and... and so we tried to um, give just a hint of the radio uh, experience, mm-hmm. to, like yeah, big microphones. Recre- yeah, recreate some of that, but then 
again, we were letting it become something new. We, we knew that it was going to change. And that was a fun experience, like figuring out how Tommy and Oil Can and I were going to deal with an audience in front of us. Mm-hmm. And that was really fun. Because you taped these in, in theaters. In front of people. Yeah. And so now there actually is an audience there. Yep. So either you have to really really go for the jokes where you're making up people because you know I thought I saw one of the fun things about our show is that there was some mystery there was characters that mm-hmm. you weren't sure if they were real or not yeah. you know and we never really revealed right right because let's news from Pierre is real he's a real guy yes. and then there was others that you kind of wondered and the yeah. show needed that yes. like we needed that mystery yep. for it to work suspend a little disbelief but now you're giving that up if you're in front of people so what do you do with those people mm-hmm the, the, the ones that we talked about. Right. Well, we just decided to keep them. <laughs> you know, and to make the audience kind of scratch their heads. Right. But that was, again, like something we had to figure out. Is well, you that going to work? Yeah, you know going into something like that. Yeah. But the other thing is, you, you're not taping a radio program in front of a live audience. You're taping a television program. Yeah, yeah. You can see everything. Were you... Did you have to... I mean, you talked about adjusting the characters, but you really had to adjust your approach... Yeah. Overall to the show. You know, when, when you p- play in a studio, you don't play for laughs at all. Right. You just, you just assume that the audience is with you and they mm-hmm. get the jokes and you let them come along for the ride and you trust that they're going to do that. And, mm-hmm. and, like, you're really only speaking... Like, you mentioned that your show had a pocket. Mm-hmm. There were people that got it. Mm-hmm. Well, those were your people. Yeah. And so you knew how far you could go with them. You knew what the range was. You yeah. know, like, you could... You could expect something from them. They were going <laughs> right, to give you a little something. Right, right. Uh, Boon Man got run over by a reindeer, which was produced, by the way, by my sound engineer, David, who's here tonight. Boon Man got run over by a reindeer. It's funny to about 10 people. <laughs> yeah. But for those 10 people, it was going to be really funny. And when you're in a studio, those 10 people are the only people that matter. Right. But in your right. head, those 10 people maybe are like 1,000. Yeah, but exactly. But they're the only ones that matter. <laughs> you're still um, trying to achieve a very high bar. And they're laughing at your jokes yes. in the studio. But when you're in... When you're on stage, yep. you actually hear if they're laughing at your <laughs> And it's really hard not to play for the laughs. Because, you right. know, I've entertained. So I've played. I've been uh, doing you, shows since I was a little kid. Yes. You know, We're going to talk about that here yeah. in just a second. And so I know what it was. I know how to pause for laughter. Right. And I know how to play to the audience and all that. But that's not what I like about radio. I don't like playing to the audience. Right. And so we had to figure that out. And, and I think there were times when we were really cheesing it up for the, for the audience to get laughs. And then I think um, that's not the most fun that we have with it. You know, like, so we've, we've let it evolve, you know. Um, before we let the TV thing go, you have, you're still doing specials. Yeah. Um, not as frequently as you did when you started on television, but you, do you have, you have something coming up, right? Well, we have, this is time for the plug. Yes, we well, we have a um, we have a special. So we do, we're doing like a private party next oh, week. Ah, that's right, that's yeah. right, that's what you said um, for the South Dakota Leadership Conference, Leadership South Dakota. Yep, that thing. Yep. And so we're doing, we'll do private parties. We do private parties. Yep. But the um, the special that happens sometimes at the Sioux Falls studio just happens like when so Brad Ben Ostel is the producer at Public Broadcasting and sometimes I think he just wants to do the show mm-hmm. and so we'll we'll get one scheduled and then we'll go for it. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so you're it's actually kind of nice because you're not a slave to the weekly schedule anymore. Yeah. Now we can kind of pick and choose and 
we, we like to do seasonal stuff, so kind of every season. Yeah. Um, because of the growing season. Right, exactly. The, the show is based on the yeah. growing season. So I like to have a spring opener. Yes. You know, and then I like to have a summer. Um, we're putting together some shows, West River, for the summer mm-hmm. to promote a book that uh, Rattlesnake, our Whoa. keyboard player. Whoa. Is, yeah. Doing a book tour. Yeah. Well, you guys did... Uh, uh, God, how long has that been? Did you, you all piled into a van at some point? The Bad River Road Show. Yeah. <laughs> That Bad was River awesome. Road Show. That was really fun. It was great. Yep. Um, so every once in a while, you'll uh, just get hit by the spirit. Yeah. It's got to be more difficult now, though, because you are older. Mm-hmm. You have a successful marketing business. Mm-hmm. Fresh produce, we can say that, right? Yep. For sure. Everything's got a, a gardening theme yep. with you. Yeah, it does. And then uh, and Oil Can, Tom Hurlbert. He's got has, stuff. He's moved to Sioux Falls. He was in Aberdeen. He was yep. here, then he was in Aberdeen. He's got a thriving architecture firm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so he's we, a busy guy. Yeah, we, we, we did put a studio in our basement. Oh, really? So I have a nice little studio in our basement. Nice. So we can, Oil Can and I can get together like on a Friday at noon and play yep. about an hour and a half That's good. show. So That's we've been good. trying to do that. It's, it's semi-regular. You yeah. Know, it's not weekly, but it's... And you're, you know, you're kind of a downtown hipster, right? You've got, got a house up here and you can walk yeah. to your... You're just yeah. living the... Living the life of an urban Sioux Fallsite, yeah, aren't you? Right, right. Which is kind of surprising for a kid who grew up in uh, on a farm in Norway Center. Norway right? Center, yeah. Which is I uh, was going by there not so long ago. Uh, that building is still there. It's still there. Yeah. Which what was? If people don't know what that is, explain Norway Center. Norway Center was like a general store, like one of these country stores. Yeah. I would imagine at some point, you know, that maybe they had a softball field there or something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. Now, I don't know any of the history, which I should, but, that, you know, when I was growing up really young, I think it still had a store there where you could get an orange pop. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. You, you know, can see, like, a 56 Studebaker pulling up there or whatever. Yep. And then at some point, it transitioned out of that into the phase where um, people are living there for, like, three months at a time. Ah, and these are the guys it. that are coming in there, and you're buying, like, a rabbit hutch from them. <laughs> <laughs> Hand, handcrafted rabbit Yeah, hutch. we got a rabbit hutch out of there one time. I remember that. But we, you got, your family farm is very close to there, right? Yeah, a couple miles. We okay. were bookended, though. So on, on, the, on the west end, on the western edge, yes. we had Ting Station. Which is three miles north of Beersford. Really? I did not hear which, I don't know that one. Yeah, Ting Station, and I'm assuming it had a different name at some, you know, like, but I think that might have been a gas station. Oh, okay. Like a country gas station. Right, right. And then on the other, on the, on the eastern edge, we had Norway Center. Got it. Ting's was exactly the same. <laughs> you could buy rabbit hutches out of Ting's. <laughs> and there's great stories about this. Oh, uh, gosh. I remember this one guy um, said he was a. Uh, like an all-star wrestler. This is in the <laughs> '80s. This is in the '80s, and he had was great his name mustache. Chuck Brennan? Like, no. no, he had a kind of a Hulk Hogan sort of mustache yeah. and beautiful nice. like hair. Uh, I think a couple guys lived in there, and it's. I remember meeting him at the Beersford pool or something, the community <laughs> pool, and we were talking, and I'm like, "Are you the guy that?" I'm, I'm just a kid, but he, I'm like, "Are you the guy that lives at Ting Station?" You know? So he was kind of this larger than life. Yeah. A person. He's hanging out at the pool. It but seems one odd. time we saw him out front of Ting's and he was just naked. 
<laughs> just naked. He'd been hitting the shrooms yeah. again. So these are the kind, these are the types for a stretch. You know, those were the types of people that were living at Tings, yeah. in Norway Center. Well, it was uh, early '80s. People were sort of still spilling out of the '70s yep. culture, right? And then at some point, they fixed the road, <laughs> the highway that's in between like Canton and Alsace. Yeah. Yeah. They did something to the shoulder, and so they had to move the building. Norway no Center. kidding. Yeah, they had to move it just kind of kitty wumpus. <laughs> really? Because it is kind of turned. <laughs> yeah, they had to give it a little more room, and now I think like some people actually have invested in it and fixed it up, and it's like this beautiful little yeah. spot now. I thought it looked yeah. pretty good when I went by there. Yeah, the same people have been living in there for a while. Wow. And the, but the, the great thing about the great your, your backstory is pretty good because so your dad... Coach. Yep, coach. Was actually the coach. Mm-hmm. Football coach, right? At Beersford? Football in Beersford, yep. But, and a farmer, mm-hmm. right? Working farm. Yep. Explains the horticulture background. Mm-hmm. But, in addition to that, you had a family musical traveling troupe. Yep. Called? The Heron Sisters. <laughs> now you'll note, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that my guest today, Ted, is not a sister. He is, in fact, a brother. That must be scarring, to say the least. <laughs> I didn't want, you know, and you, we've talked about this. I, I didn't want any part of the Heron sisters. Yeah, because they're all older than you, right? Is yeah, well, um, right now, my sister Molly and I are the same age. Okay. We're so Irish twins. Got it. So we're, we are in the month where she can't tell me what to do. <laughs> I'm always telling her that, but she's, you know, we're, we're 43 now, but she's like 28 days older than me. Got it. Um, and so they had had this, well, what was it? I mean, how many sisters do you have? I have four older sisters. So they... This, this is great. Yeah. So we're playing, um, we have a, a Dodge Ram van, diesel. Mm-hmm. And we're, go, we're traveling around and they're playing shows at the Iowa Pork Producers. Yes. You know, like Sioux County meeting. Yeah. Not big shows. No, but, but, no. But audiences loved them. Just loved them. And the girls are singing country and western. Mm-hmm. They're singing medleys. Mm-hmm. Um, they're singing 50s, like uh, Everly Brothers kind of harmony. Yep. They sang, uh, oh, they sang a Motown medley. <laughs> and it was so good. My sisters are so talented. They yeah. were really talented. And they were kind of the talk of our town. I mean, the girls w- were pretty well known and they were really great performers and in all sorts of stuff not just um you know like when it came to oral and turp yep. or yes. you know we called it declam yes. yes i mean they're winning everything <laughs> they're killing yeah and so they drug i had to i had to go along with it yeah they couldn't leave me home alone so i started going along you know with the show and then at some point my mom wrote a little script for me to introduce the act. Oh, nice. Yep. Matching costumes. I mean, yes. I'm wearing like a flowery bow tie and suspenders. Nice. Yep. So was that, that was the extent of your involvement was opening yeah. the show or just, did you ever have the to? intro. Didn't have to do a little uh, tap or never anything sing, like that? Never sang with them. Well, that's pretty cool. Well, that yep. set you up nicely. For set me up nicely, yeah. I like to, you know, I, so I don't know if I pretended or not that I didn't like it but but you know i sang along when yep. i they were rehearsing all the time and i was singing the songs and i knew all the songs and i learned how to sing harmony and all That's that pretty cool. you know yeah reunion tour you ever think about that a little i've tried to get my sisters on the show but then i always make jokes about the girls like upstaging me 
on my show now. So I think I would be ruining kind of a funny joke, especially when I play in places where the Heron sisters are a known thing. Sure. We did a show a couple years ago in Beersford. Yeah, well, there, you went right it into was, the... We killed it. <laughs> because I said, you know, I, I purposely didn't invite my sisters because <laughs> they're always stealing my thunder. <laughs> That's awesome. And so how long did that go on? I feel like they did it for five years, four or five years. I mean, wow. they were on the cover of magazines. The, the girls were actually pretty well known. They won the Minnesota, they either won or got second place at the Minnesota State Fair Talent Contest. Which Impressive. Was, which was big. They were regional, they won the region of Star Search. They were, they got beat by a guy with a <laughs> puppet or something and they didn't get on Star Search. But they were like, you know, finalists. Yeah, they, they were killing it. Oh my um, God. My sister Heidi, so do you remember Little Orphan Annie or yeah. Annie? Yep, yep. So they did this like cattle call for for talent to cast for the movie when oh, that came yeah, out. Exactly. And um, I'm too young to even remember. I, like I can't remember all the details, but I remember my sister Heidi like was a regional. She won the region. Oh, really? And they did a screen test of her. No kidding. Yeah, my sister Heidi could just wail. She had an incredible voice, you know, and she's like eight years old or however old she was. So it did. You were not, in fact, scarred by this, or were you? I, I didn't like it, but it, it, it didn't bother me that <laughs> yeah, much, you know. Right. Like, it was just something that I had to. Well, your parents with. must have been very, very talented then. I mean, the, the girls and you didn't just do this out of. Right? Yeah. Your parents must have guided you in this or I don't even know you? how it started. Just sitting around the table singing songs, yeah. singing Motown. I don't know how it started. <laughs> my mom always liked to sing. Yeah. And my mom, I think, had a knack. You know, my mom liked to write. She was a good writer. Mm-hmm. She is a good writer. Yep. Um, she just didn't have a lot of opportunity to do it. And I think all the girls liked to sing, and I don't know where the idea came from, but it was just always like that. Wow. I don't really remember it starting. It was just always the way it was. And so fast-forwarding all the way up here to 2020 now, um, how does all this translate into being fresh produce guy? Because mm-hmm. you're a... You're a straight, I won't call you mainstream, but you're a mainstream marketing advertising agency. Mm-hmm. How does that, how do you express yourself there? I mean, is it, are they the same thing? I think they are. I mean, because, you know, there's, there's very, there's a lot of similarities between the kind of work that I do with Rock Garden Tour and Fresh Produce. Um, the sensibility is exactly the same. Um, I know at Fresh Produce, when we're doing our best work, we feel kind of like we're getting away with something. Because <laughs> I think that's sort of the secret to good creative work, is that you feel like you, you maybe could get in trouble for it. Yeah. You know, like that's kind of where you want to be. We can and lose we, all the money. Yeah, we do a lot of that at Fresh Produce. Like that's kind of, um, it's not exactly like that, but you know, that, that is kind of what you're Within shooting the for. bounds of the contract, yeah. right? And then... Um, but the same thing with Rock Garden Tour. I would say that what I've learned through all of this is that, you know, it's the practice of creativity. It's a practice. You know, I, I'll never forget my dad. I don't know who we were talking to at some, at some point, but he, he introduced me as a writer. And whoever he introduced me to was impressed. You know, oh, mm-hmm. writer. And my dad said, I'm just a farmer. <laughs> you know, and I thought, no, like... You are as, like, he doesn't see himself as a creative person, but he is at, he's as creative as, as me. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he practices creativity, I mean, he was, whether he was coaching football, 
he was really creative in the way he he communicated to the players, mm-hmm. the way he established values, the way he continued to coach values. Mm-hmm. You know, it was really creative how he did it. Um, but it was a practice, and it was called coaching, so he didn't think of it as creative. And then he was also really creative in, in his op- farming operation. You know, um, just like my mom was really creative in, in what she did, mm-hmm. whether she was gardening or being a nurse or or writing, you know, my intro to the girls' yeah, act. Yeah, Like, there was, a, like, I've learned that creativity is this practice, and, you know, that's what I've done my whole life. It's this this practice of creativity, and that's kind of, that's what I've continued to hone and, and improve, I think. Um, you know, we talk about passion, right, as something that you love, but really... The alternative and probably more real definition of passion is the thing that you're willing to suffer for. Do you feel that you have suffered for this? I don't mean to call you a suffering artist. That's not the thing. But there's there's something that you have to itch all the time, over yep. and over. Yes. You get paid for it. Mm-hmm. But is it painful sometimes? Yeah, I think so. It's fun. I mean, I like that. That's what drives me. I like it. But, you know, when you were writing for the newspaper or when mm-hmm. you were, you know, doing this, like, you're always in it. Yeah. You're always in it. I love doing the weekly radio show because I think I liked it because it felt like a grind. Yeah. And it was always there. And you're always, like, you're up against it. And, and you're capable of doing such great things when you're in it. And so I liked that. I think I kind of responded to that. Um but I do, yeah, there's some pain involved. Like, you're getting stumped a lot, and you're going through this process that's not always pretty. And There's always a little fear when you push the button. Lots of fear and, and disappointment, and you have to be ready for it. You, you have to have thick skin. And when I started, I didn't, and now I think I really do. Yeah, you know, it's nothing worse than having somebody that you either have a lot of respect for or really love look at something you did and go... I wouldn't do that. Yeah. I remember when I was first on the radio, I tried to do what you do to a certain degree, which was a character, a voice that I wanted to do for this bit. And um, I played it for my wife, and she just looked at me and goes, I don't think you should do voices. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, and you probably Come put on. everything you had into it. I did like 10 different yeah, ones. I know it. Yeah, that was the last time I tried oil to can, do that. Oil cans in New York. I don't know if he was an intern or if this was like one of his junior architecture jobs straight out of college. Yep. Um, and he does some drawings for his boss at the time, uh, and he's proud of them. Yep. And he put them in front of her, and she <laughs> takes a look at it, and she goes, this is the exact kind of horseshit that we're trying to avoid. <laughs> <laughs> He had to, like, I'm done. But I'm, you know, like, when we first started the radio station, I mean, or the radio show, I literally was escorted out of a radio studio. (laughs) (laughs) By the uh, censors or? By the the station manager. Really? Yeah. I mean, so we, we had to, yeah, we had to develop, when I say, like, I have thick skin now, it, it, it were was, you proud of that, or were you kind of get crushed in the moment? Like I ah. was, I kind of, I sort of let it roll off. I kind of laughed it off, mm-hmm. 
but it was hard. Man, it was really hard. And you know, I remember the first week we were on public broadcasting. Oh, did they get calls? They did. <laughs> oh no. And you just, I don't know. You just kind of keep doing it, and you just trust that 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 little pocket out there mm-hmm. is listening, and they care about it and you know it's, they'll write it on the little form yeah, <laughs> when they contribute trust, their... you just sort of trust it oh know? my gosh so uh the uh i was just thinking about public radio again for for some reason but the the um i lost my whole train of thought we were gonna talk about public radio the uh the pocket getting kicked off the radio station <laughs> yeah. um oh i know what it was the you still have uh an online radio yeah which is super fun because you can go back and listen to archival stuff. Yeah, right? what would you? That would be like direct to consumer radio. Yes, because it's there's something playing if you go there. Yeah, it's and a it's stream, at, and it's at where? Um, it's just at rockgardentour.com. Yep, and there's the listen button right in the center. You just click on that, and you can listen to our stream, and um, that's where we do our live show now. So Oil Can and I, when Got we it. produce a live radio show, it's live on our stream. Um, but then there's an archive of stuff that plays. And so it's everything from our live TV specials to, uh, you know, like like the basement tapes. Yeah, <laughs> right. Bits. You know? Some, yeah. Just something the you got The Mr. Bindo song that we never really put on the show. That's on you the- have a Mr. Bindo song? Well, it was a song originally about Murdo, but, you know, yeah. oh, I similar. Yeah. <laughs> A lot think, of the rhymes are similar. I, I know the Murdo song. <laughs> um, and, and we should talk about music a little bit because uh, you've written, you play a little guitar, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you have written a lot of songs. A lot of songs, yeah. But they all are about <laughs> something in South Dakota, right? You know right? what they're all about? And this is another thing. Like, um, when you're just kind of in it, mm-hmm. in the creative practice, and you're just sort of in it, you use everything. You use it all. <laughs> yeah, and so one of my favorite songs, and, and here's, the, here's the stuff I love the most, is when it's a funny song, but it actually means something to you. That's the sweet spot for Rock Garden Tour. Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of our, you know, I, I say it, this is a Wendell Berry quote, but it all turns on affection. Hmm. And so it's about the stuff we care about. The humor disarms but the humor always relates to the stuff we, we truly love. Mm-hmm. And so we can share kind of the stuff that we're affectionate toward. We can share that through some of the jokes and everything. And I, I feel like we're at our best when there's good humor, but then also there's little glimpses into this stuff that's truly meaningful to us and to the audience. Yeah. You know, there's that connection. Because your roots are here. Yeah. Right? How, how, how long does your family go back? You know, I don't know. It's um, a long time. We've, we've got this. We've got Irish family in the uh, Garyone. Well, there's the. There was Irish settlers after mm-hmm. the potato famine. Yep. And they settled. And they here. sort of gradually made out made it out here over a period of yeah, years. There are people, and mm-hmm. then my dad's family. They don't. They the, the my mom's family was really good about keeping track, and my dad's family hasn't been the best about that. Hmm. Um, but you're South Dakotans, and you, you, oh, yeah. you feel it, yeah. right? You feel mm-hmm. it intrinsically. Um, so you're not, it's that delicate line of making fun of yourself and, yeah. and, and being able to laugh at yourself, yep. right? And the jokes, the jokes have a great way of disarming an audience, though. You can actually talk about some serious stuff. Yeah. Because, you know, even something like organic gardening will rub some people the wrong way. 
<laughs> rub a lot of people the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But like you know, like if you do it with a joke, then you can actually have a serious conversation about it, right. which is kind of ironic. But um, I was going to say one of my favorite, you know, like um, we were at the diner, and my wife Liz Leitwan from Pest Control yeah. was, you know, <laughs> taking our boy to the bathroom or something, and she overheard somebody at a table um, assert. That riding lawnmowers—that's where the money is. <laughs> <laughs> and then that became a song, you know. Oh, and it became a great. great song. I think it's my favorite song that we've done. But it's like that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's like you know moments. All right? and all the time they're happening, and you write them down, and then they become something in the show. So you've taken the show on the road. You've done it in the hills. You've done it in small towns. You've done it in big cities. You've you've you know been in a van. All that. Um, has there been a moment when that creation of what you've done, that, you know, the character and the show and the music and the, 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 the world that you've created sort of hit you in a moment, whether it was on stage or on a street corner? Or... Well, you know, I'll say the first time we played a TV show, like the first time we did a special in town here mm -hmm. was at the Orpheum. Mm -hmm. And that was very exciting. And I would say that's the moment. Joe, our friend from public broadcasting, mm -hmm. gave me a jello mold <laughs> <laughs> to celebrate the moment. And Oil Can and I were real nervous. And when we went out and played the show, the crowd was, I remember at intermission, Rattlesnake keyboard player mm -hmm. Christopher um, comes off stage and he said, it's overwhelming. <laughs> Like, the response was just yeah. on us. And, and you've not had that before. Never. Yeah. And so that was that was very exciting. That's impressive. Um, a moment when you... Uh, what's the quintessential South Dakota moment for you? Anytime, you know... Oh, this is it. Um, oil can is pulled over for speeding in Brown County. <laughs> That's perfect. What town was it? perfect start. What town was it? It's got to be... Uh, I'm trying to think of my brown One of the county major towns. highways. I mean, it could have been Falkton. Yeah, Falkton. Uh, I'm trying to remember my friends who are from Brown County. You know, I can't remember the names of the towns. Viola. Viola's a good one. Well, I don't know. So I don't know what town it was right. for sure. But he gets pulled over for speeding. And highway patrolman strolls up. And oil can's ready with his stuff. And guy asks him a question. Oil can answers. And he said... The patrolman kind of leans back, gives him a look, and says, Are you oil can? <laughs> <laughs> and he literally said, Oil can can drive as fast as he wants. <laughs> Something like that. Oil can tells it better, but yeah, oil can can drive as fast oh as he wants on my God. watch. That's awesome. <laughs> but gave him a warning. And yeah, I would say that was, that was kind of a moment that I think was hilarious. But you know, now that we're streaming, yeah. Oh, this is great. So I just told you about the lawnmower song. Yeah, that's right. Which, which is one of those songs. It's silly, but if you listen to it, mm -hmm. there's some there's some important stuff in it. Mm -hmm. It's it's a little bit sentimental, um, but it's funny. So you we kind of get away with it. There's we played that we played that at the Chislick Festival last year. And so we had in a Freeman. record in Freeman. So there was a recording of it, and I, I put it on the station. So now it's part of the, the archive that you'll hear when you listen to the stream. Um, 
I get an email, <coughs> excuse me, I get an email like the week after that started on the rotation. Somebody from Massachusetts, his name was Pete, <laughs> emails me. <laughs> What's he doing but selling lawnmowers at a John Deere dealership? In and our song about lawnmowers comes on. <laughs> One of the, I mean, that's the amazing thing oh, about no. doing this. That's right. right now, you know, yep. so you can come from anywhere in the world, it's right? The best, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, you know what I got to do before I get too far? Yeah, I got to plug my sponsors. This show, Ted, I don't know if you know this, uh, is pretty high end. It's got sponsors. Okay, I do know this. Uh, the uh, uh, Northview Bait and Tackle, of course, is my long running sponsor. Uh, Northview Bait and Tackle is your home for uh, live bait, dead tackle, uh, propane, propane accessories, U-Haul, self-storage, and high-end dog and cat food. That is uh, Northview Bait and Tackle over there on North Kiwanis Avenue just off Russell Street. Go in there. I still I, I need somebody to do this. Uh, go in there, find Staub, proprietor Matt Staub, and tell him you want the uh, free peanut and Coke special, the uh, Patrick Lally Show special, and if he gives you any flack, just steal the peanuts and run. That I'll I'll take care of you. It's gonna be all right. But that's uh, Northview Bait and Tackle up there. They're good people. Don't be afraid. It's it's just bait. It won't hurt you. Uh, and then uh, of course uh, Red Barn Salsa, which is uh, small batch handcrafted organic salsa made on the uh, Good Earth Farm just south of Lenox. Great. And uh, someday you're gonna actually be able to purchase Red Barn Salsa. They're a little ahead of the marketing game. Their supply right now has not gone up to yeah. their to their demand. Uh, they, they you know, but they're a fine fine sponsor of this program, and uh, my house is full of good salsa. So those are the two sponsors. Please, uh, whatever you can do for those people, please do it. Um, uh, let's. So, what's next for you then? I mean, you've got a full plate. Talk about the creative process. You can't keep doing the same thing over and over again. What is your dream now for the Rock Garden Tour? What do you want to have happen? There's, there's two things happening now. I, I would say the first thing, um, I love it when we can collaborate on projects. And so my cousin, Cousin Rattlesnake, the keyboard player, Christopher mm -hmm. Von Rotchek, he has written a poem for every county in South Dakota. 66 poems that's, for six, 66 counties. That's impressive. The project was called Rattlesnake Summer. And uh, in collaboration with... Um, Newly, newly christened uh, Badger Clark Publishing. Oh, really? Um, Is that you? No. <laughs> Bob Clark. Oh, Bobby got it. C. Got Bob, it. Uh, Christensen. Um, awesome. Yeah, we're, we're publishing a, and designing a book. And then there's going to be an opening for it at Ipso Gallery. And there's an artist, Luke Gorder, who has pieces that will be part of the show. Yep. And then Cousin Rattlesnake will be there to do a reading. But we will, we will be... Uh, I guess releasing a book um, that night. It's That's a beautiful awesome. piece, and then we're going to go on a little book tour tour in June. Okay. Because Rattlesnake has always been doing poetry on our show. He's yep. our poet laureate. Yeah, gotta have. And one. he's super incredibly talented. He's just he's an incredible talent. And so to and be he's able, your cousin. Yeah, and to be able to do stuff with him is really fun, and I'm really proud of it. You know. That'll be great. Um, the other thing I want to do, I, wanna, I should say, Ipso Gallery, which is. Part of Fresh Produce. Yeah, yeah, connected to Fresh Produce at 6th and Main. 6th and Main, if yep. so, at Fresh Produce. And yep. that's coming up in May. Okay, cool. So that's something I'm excited about. And then um, I want to play a show in Minnesota. So, you know, pu through public TV, mm -hmm. they've been playing our show, like in Minneapolis, or statewide in Minnesota. Like oh, our really? TV show is played. 
Yeah, and so we'll we'll get emails from people in you know Southwest or Southeast Minnesota. Right. Right. Marshall. And, yeah, and and um, we've never played in a different state, and we, we're not that interested in playing in a different <laughs> right, state. Right. But I kind of want to see what that would be like. Yeah. I think it would be really fun to play a show in Minneapolis. Um, you know in, enough people; they yeah, would show up. We've been invited to play in Fargo. I think it would. Be that would fun be awesome. To try Fargo. Yeah. Um, Iowa. You know, it'd be fun to try some of that. That's just to see what would happen. Take the big show on the road. Can take you it get on the? the road. Can you get public broadcasting people to cross a border, or do you have to hire all new help? <laughs> I wonder how that would work. <laughs> they have to get a public broadcasting passport yeah. to go from one state to another. I know that our crew, so what's, you know, the show really is like a family. Yep. It, it really is now. And um, even, I mean, a lot of them are family, but the show is like this odd little family. Um, and whenever we have a chance to do the show, the crew is just so excited. Yeah. And, like, Christopher Rattlesnake is flying in from D.C. to do this show next week. I mean, we all kind of... For a corporate gig. Yeah, we all go for it. You know, yeah, like that's it, awesome. That's what makes... And that's why the show is kind of living on, is because now everybody's all in, you know. Yeah. Every, I don't have to convince anybody to do the show. Everybody's already there. You know? Think about that. You've come from a dude uh, doing an internship up at Brookings studying horticulture, right, to... You know, a traveling TV show. <laughs> Come on, man. It would be fun, too, to do a little bit more of a, a tour once, you know, to mm -hmm. maybe play for a month or something. Yep. Because what's really fun when we play shows kind of strung together is that we start writing songs on the road. Yeah. And, like, we talked about this when we did our Bad River Road show. We met a guy in Kappa, South Dakota, who wasn't supposed to be there. That was supposed to be a ghost town, but there was a man <laughs> that was there. And we wrote a song about him, and, you know, we played the song at the show the next day. Awesome. You know, and that yep. kind of stuff is really fun. Like, when you're together for a long period of time, you can start collaborating, making it up yep. and start doing new things together. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, before we wrap up, anything else you want to plug? So, let's run down the list here. RockGardenTour.com, you can stream. Yeah. You, can get, you can get your fill yeah, of Rock can, Garden Tour. All you can handle. Um, you've got a book. A poetry coming out from Chris, mm -hmm. and that'll be look for uh, interesting things about that here in, yeah. in, as we get closer to summer. Yep, and it'll, it'll be released in May. May fifteenth, I think, is the Ipso show. Okay, mm -hmm. um, you can still uh, catch the occasional specials. Yeah, I think we'll. I th I really think we're going to be doing something this October for sure. Okay, yeah, awesome. And this, can you this public broadcasting? On their website, can you go back and like watch the TV? I think shows? you can. Yeah, I think they're up there. Well, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. Is that all? Is that all the plugging? And I of think course, so. uh, yeah. fresh produce. Fresh produce just keeps keeps going on. Leading you know, marketing and advertising. Fresh produce. We're 16 years. You're kidding? No. Like, you started in. You were in Brandon or wherever, right? Yeah, 2004 right? we started. Why Brandon, by the way? Just because it's I cheap. Think, yeah. Mike was good friends with Daryl Vanderesh, who owned, who owned the pizza ranch, God, and he owned you know, some it's land. Such a small yeah. world. Yeah, and so. So Daryl let us get into a space for real cheap, and initially we were just doing audio for radio. You know, it was like yep. small market radio production is what we were doing. Yep. That's and where fresh produce came from. It was production. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Just audio. And then we kind of grew from there. Um, and always with the garden theme. Do you have a garden, by the way, at home? I, you know, it's a neglected. My wife does more of the garden. Liz is a great gardener. 
Um, I would love. It's kind of a dream, but yep. you know, you know, when you do a show like this, the show is the garden. Yeah, it's kind of the now. I put a lot of the extra energy I have into the show. That's a great line. The, <laughs> the show, show is, is the, the garden. garden. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to remember that. Yeah. Uh, Ted Ted Heron. Um, he is a writer, producer of the Rock Garden Tour. He is a uh, marketing professional at Fresh Produce here in Sioux Falls. If you need any of that kind of stuff, and you got wads of cash coming out your ears, go down to Fresh <laughs> yeah. Produce. Uh, and, uh, you know, just dude downtown. Thanks for being here, Ted. Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, we're going to be back next week with a rich show. It's going to be a great show. Friday night, if you catch this before Friday night, which is, uh, it's got a number. Today's, today's 10. It's a Tuesday, so 11, 12, 13. Is that right? Friday the 13th. Uh, right here at the Full Circle Book Co-op, uh, we will be um, having Rich. We're going to record him live for the podcast, and then he's going to play a little show, and it's going to be a celebration of his induction into the South Dakota Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And, of course, we thank him for letting us use his tunes on this fine radio, radio, this fine podcast. Uh, I thank you all for being here, and I thank very much my friends at the Full Circle Book Co-op, your conservative, communist, left-leaning, libertarian bookstore and cafe in beautiful downtown Sioux Falls. Goodbye, everybody. And I can't tell what I need to have To have to show Everyone is falling to the ground But I won't run away Just the things you know and love From yesterday Taking back the things that they, they think you know Cause I don't have no more for him No, I don't have no more for him Taking back Face down to the ground Cause I don't have no more for him No, I don't have no more for him
Just help back from the place I love. Just help.